Thank you for joining us for IEB There. And now your host, Brad Barons. Over to you, Brad. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to IAB There, which is our daily live stream here from the Interactive Advertising Bureau. We're trying to help connect all of us during this time when we're out of the office, uh, provide the context that you need and also just a place to, to be uh, once a day here at 2 p.m. Eastern. So today's topic, we are going to be discussing brand safety, uh, which is a topic we talk about a lot, but specifically we're going to be digging in on how do you measure it? Um, it's, it's fine to just talk about it as a thing that we're all worried about, but what are the metrics that matter when it comes to brand safety? Uh, I'll be joined uh, today by John Montgomery, uh, who is the worldwide head of brand safety for Group M, the world's largest media agency, and our own Angelina Eng. Angie is the vice president of measurement and attribution for both the IAB and the IAB Tech Lab. Uh, you guys can bring them onto the screen while they're coming. Uh, we will be entertaining questions. If you have questions for us about the conversation, the place to post them is on Twitter. Please go to Twitter and use the hashtag all caps IAB there. That way our producers will be able to track the questions uh, and uh, funnel them through to us uh, you know, as we, we go. Uh, which So again, once again, IAB there, all caps, one word hashtag on Twitter to ask questions. The context as well for this is, uh, you know, a week ago, um, David Cohen, our president, had an op-ed in Business Insider about how brands should be supporting the news during this time. Brand safety obviously is an issue that is much broader. Uh, if we can, please bring our guests uh, in when possible. Uh, brand safety is a much bigger issue than the news, uh, but it is uh, an issue that I think is particularly pressing right now during this time of coronavirus, where we not only have an extraordinary amount of attention and eyeballs going to the news, but we have news organizations that are really pressed for the capital in order to continue doing the good work that they do. So, um, uh, all right, looks like here we come. We have John and we're waiting for Angelina. Ah, we have both of you. Welcome to IB there. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Hi there. So let me start, John, with you because my memory is that you actually uh, created the brand safety practice at Group M. So uh, tell us about what motivated that. And I also know you've been very involved with the brand safety framework at the 4A. So, so how, did, how did you come to spend so much of your professional time doing this? Yeah, sure. When I ran um, operations for uh, for digital in North America, we were already engaged in a, in a ton of brand safety type of um, activity, uh, like making sure that our ads, clients' ads, didn't appear on against inappropriate content, and try to battle invalid traffic, and uh, try to increase viewability, and and so there were a number of things that had been going on for for years and years. In fact, we we. Put privacy in with that as well, because the way we define brand safety is kind of limiting any risk that a, that a client might face in the digital supply chain. And so we've been doing all of these things piece, so not piecemeal, but we've been doing them and we've been mitigating risks whenever we could. And then a lot of our clients, uh, who are some of the clients around the world, like global clients, said, "Good job in the U.S., but what about the rest of the world?" 
and that's when we we thought we should put together a, um, a practice and that that was about three or four months that preceded Mark Pritchard's speech about the crappy digital supply chain that he made at the IAB in I think 2017 and that's when the practice really took off you know when they when the uh, the custodian of the world's biggest marketing budget start, start talking about the, the digital supply chain in that way, we really had to, the, the whole industry moved moved quickly. Um, and and so precede that by about six months. Okay, uh, and then let's see. So Angie, um, let me take this. So uh, as I said at the top of the hour before we brought you on, you know, it, it, brand safety is, is a huge issue. It's something that, you know, brands agencies talk about, but I'm, I'm always wondering how real the worries actually. Uh, the classic example is, you know, you don't want to have a news story about a plane crash, you know, brought to you by Spirit Airlines uh, or, or, or what have you. Uh, and yet, uh, last I had a conversation about an adjacent topic with our president, David Cohen, and with Tiffany Hsu of the New York Times. One of the things we talked about was that there are only 20 plane crashes worldwide a year. So like, what are the odds? So. So first of all, just like how serious an issue in your mind is this? Um, and, and then we're gonna start digging into like, what are the metrics that matter? But what, what is this really, how, how real and genuine are the concerns and what's sort of the worst case scenario uh, for a brand to be associated with? Um, just talking about news alone, but uh, you know, even going into you know, hate and porn and all of the things that we have in the, the forays uh, framework. So what do you think? What, how serious is this as an issue? I mean, I think it depends on, on the brand and the industry that they're in, but there are some major concerns, especially from a PR perspective. Um, brands, uh, when, whenever a situation arises or a crisis happens, and, uh, and people on the internet specifically, not necessarily TV or print and so forth, but uh, uh, unfortunately digital, because the uh, the ads are adjacent to the content, and it's right there. Uh, uh, there is major concerns when, when, when a user or, or a publication uh, uh, decides to uh, announce this to the world. That that the, uh, look at this, you know, uh, insensitive uh, ad that the you know that the advertiser has provided. Um, why is it there? It shouldn't be there. So th there are some major concerns and, and liabilities. Uh, that most brands will have concerns about. But I do think that uh, when it comes to using negative keyword targeting, that brands should be more selective in the types of keywords that they don't want to associate with. We're going to get to the how for sure. Uh, right. but, uh, but I also would love to know uh, more about the what right now. So John, turn the same question to you, which is, you, know, you you think this is serious enough that you started a global practice around it, but but just walk us through what's the worst case scenario if you know a negative adjacency happens. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I think people often talk about the outliers, like you know, uh, 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 an airline being positioned or adjacent to uh, 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 an air crash, but. There are so many more negative news situations now um, that uh, that our clients don't want to be um, adjacent to. Clients don't really want to be near bad news overall, um, uh, and particularly news involving death or um, uh, you know a number of other a number of other things um, 
And so it's now more about being near unsuitable content rather than being near the, 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 the APB, the Forays brand, brand safety floor. Um, so what we're trying to do is make sure that they end up um, a kind of, don't end up adjacent to unsuitable content and end up adjacent to suitable content. And then the, the worst case scenario, is, as Angelina said, is that um, all you need is one example um, uh, and uh, of of something adjacent to to inappropriate content for one of our brands, and that gets a screenshot on the front page of a prominent business newspaper, and that can do damage to a the you know, the, the share price and 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 b to uh, to some of the to some of the, the the users of the brand, and I think that's the 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 biggest fear that um, corporate communications and brand own. Um, and brand owners have. Well, and that's a very real, uh, uh, if hard to control, negative impact indeed, which is if your stock price declines as a result of something, then then that's going to have uh, a negative domino effect throughout. Um, so yes, yeah, so the bad case, the worst case is, is very bad indeed. Um, let's, however, dig into uh, sort of what are the metrics that matter? Um, because one of the, I have it somewhere on my desk, I uh, have the, the 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 floor, the brand safety floor from the four A's, and that's talking about what the the things are that you want to control for you know, hate speech, tobacco, etc. But uh, when it comes to actually figuring out like well, what is the impact, what what metrics do you look for? Like what is it? Is it social media posts? Like where are the things that you're monitoring? John and then Angie, like what should people be be monitoring? Like if you're looking for indications that something is having an impact, negative, positive or negative, what are you looking for? And then we'll also talk about who, who's helping you do that. So John, do you have a? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So um, just a few minutes ago, I said that we regard brand safety as any risk that a brand might face in the digital supply chain. So we broadly talk about a quality impression um, as an impression that can be seen by a human in the assigned demographic and in a, in a contextually brand safe environment. So you've got viewable, you've got uh, free of invalid traffic, you've got within the demographic and, and location that we wanted and, and in a contextually brand safe environment. So. Uh, those are the things that we strive for. We can't always get 100% of our impressions there, but we can measure to what degree our impressions do fit into those those broad those broad categories. Call them a digital, uh, call it a digital quality score if you like. And I think agencies and clients have got slightly different views of what that quality score might look like, but it's I think it's essentially the same as defining a quality impression we've defined that once we've discussed with our client why they want to be on the brand safety risk continuum um, then we measure against that and uh, we measure our campaigns many of many of the measures are live uh, um, and uh, we, we we measure obsessively then we benchmark that so if we know that our invalid traffic in a particular uh, uh, campaign country uh, for a publisher is a certain level then we'll optimize to uh, we'll benchmark that to a, a lower level and we'll optimize Away from the publishers that deliver non-quality impressions to those that do, and then we'll 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 monitor compliance. So measurement is an absolutely critical part. In fact, it's the cornerstone of the whole um, of the whole brand safety 
uh, practice. You, you, we can't do anything without measuring to see where we are first and setting a benchmark of where we want to be. So um, it's absolutely, absolutely key. So, and then Angie, anything to add on this in terms of specific things to measure? What John, John's answer was much broader, I think, than just the issue of brand safety. And I think uh, helpfully so. Um, but in terms of other, other ways that agencies and their clients should be looking at these things. Yeah, I do think that there is, um, and depending on the platform that you use, there are some limitations in terms of the true transparency of the type of content uh, that is that is being displayed on the user's screen, as well as in what context it is, and the the I guess the the tone of the the article, if it's you know a positive article or a negative article. So a lot of that stuff is very uh, difficult to uh, discern and understand. Uh, but those are things that a lot of brands have been asking about. You know, so for example, you know, I had a brand that. Um, was, was afraid of the word, um, you know, sex, right? Um, however, uh, if you're on a parenting site or a family site, right, where they're talking about the sex of a child or, you know, just how to, how to improve your relationship with your loved one um, and just using the word sex in the article, it's actually a very positive article. It's not very, it's, it's not very explicit in, in its content, but, a lot, but because brands are, Having that word blocked, oftentimes there uh, there's a inventory for the publishers. So, so I do think that there is uh, a definitely need in the marketplace. To, uh, go ahead. No, just we're we're losing uh, we were losing you a little bit there, but you came back. Okay. So okay, uh, great. So there, there's definitely a need for for that information. Uh, people are digging into methods of being able to understand that a little bit better. In social, there are tools and skills that allow for, for some of that, where you can monitor uh, the, the contextual uh, tone of, of a post. However, in display, it's a, it's a bit more, uh, and video, it's a bit more difficult. So John, both of you actually, but John, this is to you, uh, have talked about digital. Um, brand safety, I think, is not only, I mean, this is the Interactive Advertising Bureau uh, that is hosting this show, um, and so digital is always our first concern, but it's not just a digital uh, issue with brand safety, but is, is it that digital is simply a more dynamic and algorithmically led sort of suite of experiences? Uh, like, tell me, because you've, you've both of you have mentioned this as a digital issue, but what about TV, print, etc.? I mean, I think brand safety is pervasive, but perhaps most most pressing with digital. Is that fair? It's certainly most pressing with digital. It's not that it doesn't exist in other media, but I think what we've done in, we in digital, and I think most of the people on this call will probably be digital, is we've held ourselves to a higher standard because we can measure it. Um, we, we, you know, it's such a measurable channel. That's what, that's why digital but that's why dollars have flown into, uh, uh, flowed into digital is that it's such a measurable um, um, area. And so I think we've held ourselves to a higher extent. Are there issues of, say, viewability with television or, or, or print, or uh, is there an opportunity to have a, uh, a, a, a bad adjacency on TV or in, uh, in, in, in print? I guess, I guess so, probably, but, but it's much more remote, eh? and, and it's more difficult to prevent and to, 
to uh, to to measure. So I, I I don't think we've we've ever said that we're ignoring brand safety in the other media, but it's much more pervasive. The number of impressions that are served obviously vastly vastly higher in digital, um, and so it's really where we've had to focus. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I guess the next question for me is where does where, who's driving issues, questions, and concerns of brand safety? Are, are, how involved are clients, for example? Um, I've heard different, uh, different accounts. Some people have said it's all about the client, and the clients are the ones who are absolutely driving this. They're the ones who have the concerns. I've also heard uh, the other side that it's primarily the agencies. Uh, so how involved are the brands? And then, uh, and then what is the role? And this is for mostly, I think, for both of you, because Angie just came to us from an agency. But... Uh, uh, or at least in the not so distant past, but where are the brands in this? Who's really driving the brand safety bus? Um, and, and who's, uh, you know, we'll move on to like, who's controlling things like vendor selection. So, so John, like where, you know, you have myriad clients at Group M. Is it, can you, can you generalize or do you feel like it really is a, about the individual client? I, uh, I, I don't think that we have a, um, a single client at Group M who is not concerned with brand safety in some way. Uh, we start the, the brand safety conversation with um, a strategic framework called a risk analysis. So we understand where clients need, where, where clients' appetite for risk lies. Um, if they, if a client will say, I, uh, I, I want to be as conservative as I possibly can on brand safety, um, we'll discuss the implications with them and we'll understand that they may have limited access to, to inventory, there may be a higher cost of inventory. We may even have to whitelist all of the sites in order to make sure 100% sure we're as, as, as safe as possible, limited use of social media. And so therefore, if you wanted to go right across to that side uh, of super, super safe, there are huge implications for reach and, 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 and cost. Most clients um, will, will fall somewhere in between. And once we know what the client's appetite for risk is, we put together a strategy with them. So they're very, very engaged in, in this. And every brand, by the way, is slightly different um, or sometimes very different. You have a direct response advertiser who's more worried about outcomes than, than a brand advertiser who's worried about brand values and, and brand lift. Uh, their position on the brand safety continuum would be, would be very different. But I think that it, to answer your question is they're extremely engaged in that, um, in that process uh, and it probably started fairly slowly in 2017, but now it's become very much the way we work. Uh, our cornerstone is still benchmark, um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, measure, uh, measure benchmark optimize and then, and then measure compliance. And we just continue doing that uh, um, as, we, um, as we move through. And when we, the, the vendors that we use to measure, I don't think it's the client's job to be able to, to assess technology um, that's more our job and, and of course, most importantly, the MRCs. Um, but in our agency, we have, um, uh, I think, something like 15 or 20 criteria against which we measure um, and judge uh, uh, our, um, our preferred verification vendors. And we continue that process all the time with quarterly business reviews um, with them. And so we help our clients to select them. Also, not based on technical competence, but but also on levels of service. And if you take it to an international point of view, do they have feet on the ground in Malaysia where we need them? And, and those sorts of things that are really important. But ultimately, I think the MRC are the ones who are qualified to, to measure and, and monitor uh, technical competence and, 
we wouldn't use a verification supplier if they weren't MRC certified. The Media Ratings Council, uh, for, for anyone uh, doesn't actually know that, who, who might be watching this. Angie, what about uh, to you? Um, and then I've got another one for you. Actually, we have we have our first listener uh, viewer question coming in uh, from none other than Randall Rothenberg, uh, our CEO. But, but first, um, Angie, how well do you think that people on the client side understand the technology that agencies like John's, uh, like Group M, are recommending. Like, is it is this something where they don't they don't need to know? Uh, you know, the corpcom and marketing together, or are we going to just trust the agency? Or you know, what do so what do they understand, and what should they understand in terms of what's actually happening behind the scenes in the tech stack? So I do believe that most of the clients that uh, agencies deal with on a day to day are pretty educated about the, the challenges and the solutions that are out there. Um, I think it's the people that they work with that aren't as close to this, perhaps like the CMO in some cases for some organizations, or perhaps a communication strategy team or a content team or the tech team even. Um, they're unfamiliar with the technicalities, the issues, and the understanding that, that it's, it's not 100% proof. So anytime, you know, there, there are going to be cracks in the wall and in the process. And unfortunately, things do slip through. And when those situations arise and it, it comes to the forefront, um, it, it's often, you know, again, having the, uh, having the teams try and explain exactly why, why it occurred. And, and, and it's usually not due to human error, right? So um, I think that many especially in the, the large holding companies, they have a pretty rigorous process in terms of how uh, they're, they're, they're executing the campaigns. But um, it's, it's not so easy channel by channel. So things like measuring on YouTube or uh, in social is very different from measuring brand safety on a display programmatic buy and how things are executed uh, logistically also varies, right? Um, the way that, you know, how ad blocking works versus ad monitoring and when to use them and how to use them, I think is important. And so a lot of those nuances uh, need to be explained to the clients. And sometimes it's a, it's, it's a little too technical to, uh, and, and, and so therefore it, it, it requires a, a better understanding and explaining to those, to those clients. Uh, let's go to that question from uh, our IABC CEO, Randall Rothenberg. Uh, John, it's directed to you explicitly. He says, hi, John. Uh, uh, thanks for being on IAB there, uh, if you're able to answer this. How have client inquiries changed since the coronavirus crisis hit? Can you, are you able to talk about that? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a, it's a great question. There's been uh, the moment that the coronavirus hit, um, we started, I don't know which started first, our client inquiries or, or our outreach to our clients, but there's been an enormous amount of interaction between ourselves and our clients about how to um, manage um, brand safety in, 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 the, in the time of COVID-19. And what we've been trying to help our clients with is uh, for them to understand that, A, um, uh, most, most news, uh, this is anecdotal, but most news out there is about COVID-19 or certainly a huge amount is about COVID-19. If you block it bluntly, um, then you almost certainly will be blocking almost all news. And um, I, I don't think that our clients have a, 
have a, a desire to, and certainly those who have been using news as a, as a reach vehicle and as a quality vehicle, uh, have a desire to do that. So we've been working with them to help them understand that by blocking COVID or coronavirus, you're blocking, uh, you're using um, uh, sort of keyword targeting as a very blunt tool, but rather use combinations of words like COVID and death or COVID and miracle cure or those sorts of things, which will then uh, use it in a much more sophisticated way. You can still stay away from uh, content that you're uncomfortable with, but you're not going to be blocking it uh, it, it bluntly. So uh, we really have been having almost daily conversations with our teams. We put out a, 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 a POV document within a week um, of of us seeing this, and uh, and our agency teams have uh, very very regular updates as we do with our verification partners. I think something that's worth mentioning, uh, you know, Angelina was talking about the operational. Um, uh, uh, challenges that uh, agencies have is that uh, each verification company works slightly differently with their um, their uh, uh, keyword blocking um, uh, tools and keyword strategies. So our teams need to know to understand the intricacies of each and exactly how they block and where those categories lie. So. Um, uh, the 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 level to which we have dialogue and 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 have to have um, educational sessions with them together with our verification companies um, has probably doubled uh, uh, since the beginning of the of the of the COVID nineteen um, crisis. So what's the cadence? And this is for either of you, but um, you know, is our uh, our clients and agencies are there are there live dashboards and you know the bat signal goes up if something goes wrong or is it something where people are checking on a daily weekly monthly basis like how uh, how how live is the monitoring for this sort of thing in in the programmatic era it's live um, it's it's absolutely um, uh, kind of full on we we look at it during the campaign. Um, and we'll look at it after the campaign, of course, but um, uh, certainly daily, uh, that gets that's uh, that, that's checked. So the, I, I think that the days of you know running a campaign and having a look at what happened afterwards, um, certainly in the programmatic era, are gone. Angie, anything to add on that one? I would say it probably. I would say it probably varies from agency to agency and from brand to brand. I do know that there are. Definitely organizations that don't look at it daily. Um, there are capabilities in some of the platforms to provide alerts to when a situation arises. Um, and I, you know, and oftentimes teams are uh, slightly stressed due to the fact that they're not staffed properly, uh, that they're able to, to have a dedicated person monitoring this. Um, I think in, in, in current stages, or and it's kind of my uh, changing, but uh, a lot of companies, not necessarily Group M, but a lot of companies, uh, brand safety and ad verification falls on the media activator, um, and they don't have a separate analyst looking at the data daily or in real time. Uh, and so a lot of those teams, be it in a small uh, small company or a big company, uh, don't have the time or the resources to monitor it all the time, nor do they understand all the levers and the triggers to enable them to to be notified quickly of the situation. So I so I do think that there are, are uh, several companies out there that uh, what are currently staffing for uh, programmatic and social 
and so forth, that it is important to have someone that does monitor the information um, more frequently than, than it t typically is. But oh, I also, a, uh, I, oh. yeah, go ahead. No, please, no, go ahead. Uh, I, but I also think that there are ways, um, at least logistically, that, you know, when situations do arise, there are abilities to have uh, in your existing ad serving tags to have publishers pass over certain keywords that, uh, that are being passed into the, uh, to, a, to a macro, into the, into the tag. The, it's called the keyword string. And what can happen there is having the opportunity to, for uh, buyers to set ahead in their systems to replace any current existing with either a mission-based mission ad or a cause-based ad or, or just a standard branding ad that they may feel uncomfortable uh, when some of their regular ads are running. So there are logistical ways of being proactive when certain types of contextual terms are shown on the screen uh, that they can also do besides using the ad verification tool. And John, are you are you in uh, agreement with that? And is that the advice that Drew is giving to its clients? Well, I, I think we're focusing on, on very verification solutions, making verification solutions better, and, and and educating our clients and educating our teams to use keyword strategies as 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 strategically as we can. Um, so, and and we're finding that that is uh, working well for us. Uh, well, I'm going to thank both of you for joining us here on uh, IAB there. Um, uh, John Montgomery, uh, Worldwide Head of Brand Safety for Group M, Angelina Eng, VP of Me uh, Measurement and Attribution for IAB and the IAB Tech Lab. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We'll hope to have you both back because this, uh, as this is a really, always a dynamic situation, but one under a great deal of evolutionary pressure right now uh, because of the planetary health crisis that we're all living within. Thank you both so much for coming. Going to move to the credits now, so uh, we can let them go if uh, if you like, uh, guys behind the behind the wheel. Uh, IAB there is uh, a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Um, I'm your host, uh, Brad Behrens. I'm the editor in chief here. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow because it's a weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Then we'll be here, and you know that it's time to IAB there. Uh, thank you so much for coming, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye, everybody. <laughs>